Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Which of the kids is the easiest to manage and who's the hardest to manage? Great question. Um, good question. Good question. Well, if I'm going to be honest, yeah, if I'm going to be honest... Well, we only want pure honesty here. Okay. <laughs> I think Kendall's the easiest. Okay. She's also the kid when she was seven would put herself to bed every night okay. and say, I'm done for the day, mommy. Very, My room like, is independent. Clean. Who's yeah. the hardest? Who gives you the most lip? Courtney. Courtney. Yeah. And is that who you were going to say, Courtney? You yes, said I, yes. I don't want to do things if it's not something I'm really into doing. Okay. So I... My answer is, like, no to most things. And if it's going to be yes, like, I want to know every detail of what I'm going to do. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business, but mine with me, Kara Berry. You guys, I have a little bit of a slightly embarrassing thing to admit. <laughs> so if you guys have been listening to me, basically my podcast began just months before the U.S. lockdown, and I had begun the podcast, LOL. I had begun the podcast thinking that I was going to do an episode twice a month. (laughs) As you all know, that rapidly escalated and went out of control. And if you are signed up to my Patreon, you can listen to up to four episodes a week of me, which I hear it. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I'm incredibly awed and grateful every time that somebody says that they listen to every episode, like it is shocking that anybody wants to listen to me. With that being said, last week was the first week in a year, maybe over a year that I had not done a Wednesday episode or three episodes, three main episodes, and then the Patreon. And I felt like I missed it. (laughs) Part of me wants to be a little bit embarrassed about that. The other part of me thinks, okay, Kara, you don't have to have a podcast. You're choosing to have a podcast. So you should enjoy doing this because literally nobody's making you. But I found myself on Friday just being like, I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to share my thoughts. And I I felt bad that I didn't have anything to share on Wednesday. I had thought secretly, you guys, should I just watch The Bachelorette? And talk about that. 
I got through the first half of the first episode and I just felt like I couldn't do it. Mostly I think because it came out on Monday and Below Deck comes on and that's like my show more on that later. Um, But I just didn't find myself really running to watch the second half of that season premiere. And I just haven't like, I have found I've attempted to watch how many bachelor seasons have I actually seen Two, Rachel and, um, what's her face? Claire and Tasia's season. So, um, I just feel like I tried to watch Matt's Bachelor season and I got the first few episodes and I'm like, it's just definitely a show that's like, if I'm not watching it live, it's so daunting and overwhelming to have to watch it after the fact. And I also feel like nobody's watching it. But here's the thing, you guys, let me know if I'm getting this correct. I think she's, like, cool. This has nothing to do with Katie. Is it Kate or Katie? I think it's Katie. She seems like my kind of gal. She seems like she, from that hour that I watched, is doing The Bachelorette the way that that I would do it. (laughs) You know? I think she seems, like, really intelligent and smart. And I just felt bad for her watching man after man after man come out of a limo or a big present a life you know a human sized box that looks like a present a truck I just felt like every man that came out of whatever vehicle they were put into was a flop and I felt bad for her and I almost felt embarrassed that the guys that I saw seemed very third string to me And I felt badly for her because I'm like, damn, these dudes are like as corny as you can get. And this chick seems actually pretty cool. It's not like Claire who's, you know, shaking and crying like a little Yorkie in the rain every time and just having all these feelings for people. It's, she seems like a chill, chill chick. And so I feel bad because it seems like this would be the season of all seasons that I would be super into it. But I don't think I can do it. So it also doesn't seem like people are really watching it. This seems like I'm not hearing a whole lot of fanfare, a lot of internet chatter about this season. And I wonder why. Now, I did an episode on Mixing with Moni on her Patreon a few weeks ago. And she mentioned that, you know, we all know that Chris Harrison is gone officially. And she had mentioned how Katie had really stood firm in the fact that she did not want Chris to be her, you know, bachelor overlord. I don't know what (laughs) mentor. I don't, I don't know what, how you describe Chris. Um, she did not want him to be her host and she stood firm on that. And Monty told me that the reason why, that is the reason why she wasn't getting a whole lot of like a full court press that there wasn't a whole lot of fanfare. There wasn't a whole lot of hype that ABC almost seemed like they just weren't really pushing to promote the season because of her firm stance on being anti-racist, which is like, shout out to you. That's even more motivation for me to watch this chick, but I don't know if I have to see her surrounded by a bunch of flops. Like I saw in that first hour, I just don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do it. But y'all let me know if you're watching the season. Are you liking the season? Should I try to hop on? I can dedicate like 
several hours. I can allot that time for The Bachelorette if I need to catch up. You guys let me know and let me know if you want me to recap it. Um, okay, let's talk about the main episode. Let's do our segment, our new segment that I'm calling Girl. <laughs> this week's Girl is going to, I just mentioned Blow Deck, and it is going to JL, the about seven foot two um, dude who's been working on the Blow Deck sailing yacht this season. He has, if you guys don't know, has been having like an on boat romance with a chick named Danny. Now, they have been very lovey-dovey with one another, wanting to make a commitment. JL has been saying, you know, JL used to be like a heavier dude. And so he didn't really date that much when he was younger. He lost weight. He got this, all these women's attention. And so he was sort of playing the field and now you know, had never really been in a relationship. He meets Danny, who is older. She is, I think she's, I think on the show, she's like closer to 35. And JL, I think is 25, 27, something like that. He's in his 20s. She's in her 30s. We'll, we'll put it that way. Excuse me. She is 33. And I believe he's 25. So they've been having this romance and JL's been saying all the right things. It, it's really been like a kind of push pull where she has been saying, I'm older. I want to move into the phase of my life where I start having kids. I'm in a serious committed relationship, marriage, babies, blah, blah, blah. And she has been saying, you're younger. You have so much more of your life to live. I don't want you to feel held back by me. So this is fun. We're making out all starboard port all over the boat and that's great we can have a little hump ski in the guest cabins when they're not there and I'm loving it but I'm not going to tie you down because you have so much left of your so much left of your life to live so about a couple months ago people start noticing that Danny is pregnant and then she officially announces this pregnancy. And then she announces this pregnancy pretty late. And so people started doing their math and doing their calculations and realizing that if she is going to be a full-term pregnancy, that this would mean that she got pregnant. The conception date was around this time, which really lines up with the filming schedule of Below Deck Sailing Yacht. So, JL... Do you have anything to tell us? So in Danny's first pregnancy announcement, which happened in May 5th, her caption says, from the moment I knew you were here, I've been making sure I'm doing everything I can to help you grow healthy inside of me and to make sure you'll have what you need when you're out. This is not how I dreamed, not how I planned, but you're not unwanted. Bringing a life into this world is a blessing and you are here to show me I have a reason to keep going and a purpose in this life. You're already so loved. So... Dropping several hints that, you know, the might be a source of contention between she and the baby daddy. No announcement between who this bad daddy was. She's going on, living her life, posting bump pics. And then on May 29th, she announces the birth of her baby girl. 
if she were not, if this baby was not JL's, she has had several months, both of them have had several months to say that. Obviously, that is the biggest question. Does anybody owe you an answer in terms of the paternity? No, but is it a little sketchy to just like go on for months and months and not deny the fact that this, that JL could have been the baby daddy? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely had people talking. I personally did my own little Instagram search one night and noticed that when either Danny or JL were posting on their Instagram pictures of the cast that everybody would be tagged except for the other ones. So Danny would post a cast picture with everybody, wouldn't tag JL, vice versa. So then the reunion trailer comes out and there is, you know, obviously Andy's going to be asking the question. Everybody filmed, you know, the cast filmed their reunion. Everybody was there except for JL. JL got a special segment and we see a little clip of his one-on-one chat with uh, Andy. So, um, JL's been like living his best life. He's been working in Costa Rica this whole time. He hasn't said anything until just a few days ago. So on Friday, he writes, he posts a picture of himself, like looking out at the great blue beyond and The caption says, there's a lot of gossip about my social media silence, so I think it's time to clear the air. While the others are off chasing their 15 minutes of of fame, I'm working on a yacht in Central America. I'm heartbroken to have to hear about the baby's birth on social media and read headlines like Danny Soares says her baby father doesn't want anything to do with it. All I can say is if it's mine, I want to be involved 100%. Goes on to say, as someone who grew up with parents who weren't together, I wouldn't wish that on any child. Not looking for a pity party. Just want everyone to know how strongly I feel about this, especially the haters who are so sure I'm neglecting my responsibility. No one wants to know more than me if it's my baby girl. Now, it's worth noting that um, during a preview for the Below Deck reunion, Danny said that the baby's daddy thinks that the kid is not his and... He doesn't want to have anything to do with it. So that was what he's referencing. So Jean-Luc is trying to play, you know, I'm just an innocent baby out here grinding while you guys are out doing guest spots on Watch What Happens Live. I'm actually out here in the real world working and there's, you know, my internet is spotty and I just like, I don't, you know, if I'm the father, then that's great. But like, he's really trying to make it seem like he's trying to figure this out but i'm reading these like milk toast excuses as to why he can't get a hold of her you know because he's in costa rica the internet's body blah 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 i you know i would love to know but like just let me know and it seems like he's putting the onus and the responsibility on danny to do a dna test do a paternity test let him know Blah, blah, blah. And he's just, like, out here just trying to figure things out. Now, this is where I had to crack up. Because other members of Below Deck got in his comments and were like, bitch, you thought. So, Colin. Colin, who is one of the best-looking people on Bravo. He's 
so good looking. He minds his business. He just wants to like smoke cigarette after cigarette and like talk shit in his like gorgeous Aussie accent. If you guys don't know what Colin looks like, ooh, God bless us with that one. So Colin says, don't play the innocent victim here, JL. Man the fuck up. <laughs> um, Natasha, the chef who was on the boat at the time says, I'm sorry, JL, but this sounds like a pity party to me. Why didn't you reach out nine months ago? No one deserves to be treated the way, no woman deserves to be treated the way you treated Danny. Sydney, another deckhand. What is wrong with you? Question mark, exclamation point. Colin then continues to respond to somebody who had commented to him, says, what JL insinuates with this post and the reality of his actions or lack thereof over the last nine months from a pleading mother-to-be are so polar opposite that it makes my blood literally boil. So JL, just decimated by these comments, not only from his former co-workers, but also the world at large, um, decides to post a picture of him as a baby with the caption. This is me at two months old. Given how tall I am, many have asked my size at birth. I was 10.2 pounds, 20 and a half inches long. Had no idea from my post yesterday, excuse me, I had no idea my post from yesterday would generate so many different reactions. Since I can't possibly reply to the more than 1,200 comments, here's some answers that would satisfy most. One, I learned of the baby's birth, not the pregnancy, on Instagram. Yes, I know paternity test kits are available at drugstores, but the goal is for us to take the test together instead of shipping saliva samples around the world. But yes, there will be one ASAP. No, Australia isn't open yet or I would have already gone. So for those of you saying just go, must not know that. We're truly on different continents, so easier said than done. Why am I sharing on Insta? Because it's the only way I have to set the record straight about me not wanting to be involved if the baby is mine. I absolutely do. It's also the same platform. She blocked me on 1231. Why did I leave comments on when many of them are negative? (laughs) Because it's real. Haters going to hate and everyone's entitled to an opinion, no matter how misinformed it may be. Good news is I received a ton of much needed support. I also got a message from Danny last night on WhatsApp. And then he's tagging below deck. So Colin and Sydney hopping his his comments again first of all him saying i learned of the baby's birth not the pregnancy on ig i find that very hard to believe i mean granted she did not post about the pregnancy until she was basically done but there was still several weeks of her posting about being pregnant and i find it very hard to believe that you went several weeks without hearing about this and just found out when she happened to post that she was pregnant even if she blocked you nobody said hey jl (laughs) nobody between the time of her announcing the pregnancy to her announcing the birth did anybody in the world say hey jl do you think that might be yours no not a fucking chance so sydney this is a child no longer a reality tv show get it off social colin JL, why do you consider continue to lie through your teeth? Please keep this disgustingly desperate attempt to save face and blame Danny off of social media. It's pathetic. We in her circle have seen firsthand how you've treated her for the last nine months. So again, man the fuck up and do what's right for this poor little girl and keep it off social media. So what 
the fuck him being six foot seven and people being curious about his uh, measurements as a child. I don't know. I don't get it. I even went back to look and see if Danny had possibly posted the measurements of the baby. She didn't, but it wouldn't matter anyway, because who, you know, (laughs) he could have been a seven pound baby and still come out seven feet tall. It really wouldn't matter. It had no bearing on what's happening with this baby. So anyway, this dude is like an international fuckboy. I can't wait to see how this all shakes out. Uh, it seems like Danny has been transparent and honest with JL. He fucked up. He blamed her. He slut-shamed her, which I believe if you're, um, if a man is openly critical, or not critical, but, um, I critical, critical would be a good word, about his paternity and his stake in, uh, making a life. I think that is slut-shaming. I... It seems like she had enough, blocked his ass, and was like, I'm just going to do this on my own. He's been living his best life with his ugly tattoos and whatever. I'm, I'm so excited about this. I'm really excited to watch the reunion and see what happens. It'll be on tonight. Oh, I'm so excited. So that is our girl for the week, JL. All right, so... We have to talk about, as a family, do I recap Love After Lockup? Because I just watched it last night, and I feel upset that I've allowed myself to get back into this universe. So, I'm having fun. I'm having fun, but I just, like, I'm feeling the talons of the Love After Lockup sinking its claws right into my you know, carotid artery. And I just like, I'm upset. You guys, I watched a scene that was so unbelievable. Love After Lockup is a lot like 90 Day Fiance in that the network decided and realized that they had a hit. And so now that there's like a whole universe, there's about five different spinoffs. Most of them are like web series or just like short mini episodes, like 10 minute episodes. But there's love after lockup on all the time. And so I took a dip. You guys know that I stopped watching 90 day fiance and I did the same for love after lockup last season. Um, in terms of recapping, I did watch it, but I just like getting back. This is a new season, a whole new cast. Um, I was shocked and appalled by what I experienced. So Given that there are so many spinoffs, you feel like things are going to get stale. And yet, this felt very refreshing and horrific to me. You guys, there is a man. We meet a man named... I'm not sure if his name is Dante or Deontay or... I'm not sure. I don't think anybody ever says it out loud. But this man is a whole perv. He is... And betrothed to a woman named Nicole who's about to get out in a couple of days. Can't remember what Nicole's charges were. I think they may have been drugs or possession of a firearm. But I'm just going to call him Dante. Dante is... Dante is a type of guy and I will go so far as to say he's a type of black guy who's really attracted to 
blonde women. He thinks that they are the hottest version of women that could ever be found. And so he also doesn't have the social skills to find just like a normal blonde woman. He specifically finds... Sorry, that was so fucked up. It's not that inmates aren't normal. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, he couldn't go the normal route in terms of finding a partner. He specifically seeks out inmates. And... He's also hypersexual in a way that seems a little bit performative. Like he thinks that women find it hot, that men have like a high sex drive and that they're like constantly craving sex. And I'm sure that there is a certain, a lot of women I'm sure that really do find that attractive. But when he does it, there's a difference between like having a high sex drive and being attracted to your partner and like telling people that you have a high sex drive in order to entice them. He's very creepy. He introduces us to Nicole, not his girlfriend. Well, his girlfriend, but not the one you're thinking of. He has gotten um a sex torso, as he called it, which is not a life-size one. It's not like a human-sized torso, which makes it actually more upsetting. It's more of like a really big flashlight. Like it's shaped like a curvaceous bosomed, large bosomed woman, but just big enough for the whole. At one point he says the holes you, he shows the sex torso to the camera. He gives us all the angles front, top hole, bottom hole, front hole, back hole, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then he says the holes used to be a lot smaller. And so that's rocketed me into another universe, another dimension in time. And I was hooked. And that's sick. Like, it's sick that somebody would say something so deeply upsetting to me. I would think my first thought would be, I need to see this whole story play out (laughs) completely. (laughs) But that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Um, And it's part of my charm, I think. So... I'm watching Love After Lockup, so y'all just let me know. Do I need to convince you more? Was that not good enough? (laughs) I I don't want to recap it because I feel like a lot of you guys don't watch it. And a lot of you guys aren't going to be interested. So I need to know, do I just like do a mini recap of Love After Lockup on Mondays? I think I might be doing that. I think I might be. Um, I guess we have to talk about Chrissy Teigen. It's just such a... What a tangled web has been woven over the past week with this woman. I can't take it. But I gotta talk about it because it's just so involved. It's so involved and weird. Things just keep going from worse to worse. So we all know Chrissy took a social media break after, you know, Courtney Sodden had come out publicly about... Um, Chrissy spending a lot of her precious time um, suggesting that Courtney make life choices like, you know, um, ending it and, uh, you know, taking a dirt nap, things like that. Just really nice and supportive things towards Courtney when she was a young girl being abused by a much older man. Um, issued an apology for that, took a little break from social media, came back on, uh, Monday and was just like, Hey guys, I'm going to write to you a little essay about, where I've been in the past few weeks and what's happening. She's talking about how 
Not a day goes by which she has not felt the crushing weight of regret for the things that she said in a past, her past. It was not an iOS press release. Our typical celebrity iOS press release. She took that over to medium.com, girls. She she hit you with a long form on this one. Um, she says, she admits that she publicly apologized to, to Courtney, but there are also probably several other people that she needed to apologize to. And she was taking the steps towards making sure she communicated with those people. And yeah, then she's announced that she had been stepping down with this I don't know if you guys I don't know how hot in the streets this safely shit was but Chris and Chrissy Chris Jenner and Chrissy Teigen developed this like I think is kind of like a fab fit fun but for like healthy good for the environment cleaning products I think it's like a box that you get and you get into certain things it's one of those delivery bullshits you know um she stepped down from her partnership with Chris on that. And Michael Costello decides to enter the chat. Michael Costello is a former Project Runway contestant. He has been very successful. He has dressed several of the girls. He is very popular with the Real Housewives of Atlanta. He's really like, he dresses everybody. Like he has made a name for himself without a doubt. But I think he mostly dresses like, you're like a list and a list reality star black celebrities from my experience. Like I said, I think he dresses everybody, but that's really, I think where his niche is. Um, so he comes out and he issues a statement about how, um, Chrissy had also been bullying him. And where's my apology, ma'am? Where's my apology, Mrs. Stevens? He, post screenshots and has said that there was an issue happening with him years ago in which he had racist allegations saying the n-word things of that nature and Chrissy and her stylist Monica Rose who also styles a lot of the girls Kardashians what have you um Chrissy and Monica took like decided to go on this whole campaign against Michael Costello have his name be like burnt toast out here in these streets. He was claiming that he would have jobs booked and that the last minute they would cancel on him, that Chrissy would message him and say, you're, you're over, you're done. I'm sick of you. We're getting rid of you. Fuck off. I'm ruining your career. Right. He says it's led to suicidal ideations. That he really went through a hard time financially, emotionally, spiritually, what have you. And then people started looking at the DMs. First realizing that um, Chrissy's name was misspelled <laughs> and realizing some other inconsistencies. So Chrissy said, not me, not today, Mr. Costello. I... I'm coming at you. So she takes to Twitter and says, no idea what the fuck Michael Costello's doing. He just released a statement where he didn't at all acknowledge how fake the DMs were and now claims to have emails that don't exist. So while he conjures those up, hopefully um, with someone more talented and fakes this time here. So then it says, here's a statement on behalf of Chrissy Teigen in which she very rightfully goes in on him. Why this man would want to put his name in the situation, knowing the things that he has done in the past, and also how this wasn't even true, it it's unwell. 
That's really weird. It's really weird. Why would you even insert yourself in a situation that you weren't in, try to gain sympathy and think that she was just going to let that pass? Like you're gaining headlines. Don't you think that she would be like, uh, I definitely did not do that to this man. You didn't think that she was going to speak out. <laughs> what, what was he think? What was the game plan, sir? So in this statement, it was a long statement, but cliff notes, she says the allegations happened with his racist stuff years ago. He said that at the time, those things were Photoshopped, those things were fake, and that that he didn't do anything. Chrissy says she left a post on his Instagram, or a comment on his Instagram post, and once he said that that wasn't true and those allegations were fake, that he, um, she deleted her comment, and they maintained, like, a marginally friendly relationship. She says that she would refer, um michael to her stylist to have her be dressed in his clothes but things didn't work out and that they had like instagram and social media exchanges with each other she thought everything was fine and then one day he comes out with these allegations like she's been bullying him this whole time and she's like uh what the fuck dude on top of that whoever is on uh team stevens team legend team tegan um was like, oh no, we're getting some CSI shit on this and we're going to go through and really dissect these screenshots that you're alleging. And hey, this um, feature from these Instagrams didn't exist until 2018, so that wouldn't make sense that it would be in the screenshot from 2014. And also, um, Chrissy's verified, but she wasn't verified until this date. There was just like a lot of... Like, if you're going to do a screenshot, make sure all the features are were present. <laughs> the features that are present in the screenshot all have dates that happen different times. And you fucked up, bro, because we really did our research. And on top of that, um, Chrissy's like, I didn't even work with Monica Rose, the stylist, until 2016. So if you're saying that we ran this campaign back in 2014, 2015, not possible wasn't even in her orbit at that point. Um, so then y'all really got Ar that Arthur Fist meme to come out in real life because John Legend is like, oh no, I'm going to say something. So Taylor Lorenz did this whole timeline of, you know, a whole article was written about how this, uh, those screenshots and those DMs were fake. So John quotes tweets that link to the article and says, Chrissy apologized for her public tweets, but after her apology, Mr. Costello fabricated a DM exchange between them. This exchange was made up completely fake. Never happened receipts below. And then he does a couple more tweets and says, honestly, I don't know why anyone would fake a DMs to insert themselves in this narrative, but that's what happened. Agreed, John. And then he says, I encourage any, everyone who breathlessly spread this lie to keep that same energy when they correct the record. Woo. A lot of people this week have been talking about John saying, how could he marry a woman like that? How, you know, you have been with her for most of this time or all of this time. How did you not know that she was like this? Are you as nice as you're claiming you can be? You are like, are you representing yourself accurately? 
you know, what does this say about you, John? We're looking at you the other way. Um, and he was like, he was pissed. He was pissed. People did bring up a fair point of why are you now sticking up for her on these allegations that are completely unfounded? Why did you not say anything about the things that she actually did? You know, if you're talking about keeping that same energy, maybe you should do the same for yourself. So anyway, Michael Costello, after Chrissy and John pulled out the chopper on him, he decides to tweet an iOS press release saying, thought about whether I should write this or not, but I have to. If someone were to say anything about my family, I would defend them to the max. I understand where you're coming from at John Legend. I respect and love your music. I even have four of your songs on my playlist, not that you care. <laughs> Which four? <laughs> I even have four songs on your on my playlist. Oh my god. Then he says <laughs> But your wife has hurt good people and done a lot of shady things offline to ruin other people's careers. You may not know that, but she does. Okay, but did she do anything to ruin your career? So, <laughs> okay. So then John responds, bruh, period. Stop, period. You know you made all this up, period. Please just stop, period. I'd really love to know who put you up to all this. Why fabricate an entire narrative? Did you want to be in the news this badly? Why fake a set of DMs? Just why? Don't talk to me about my wife as if I haven't lived with her, married her, and raised kids with her. I know who she is, and y'all didn't even do a good job of mimicking her voice in those fake-ass DMs. By the way, when are you going to admit that they were fake? <laughs> I'm still stuck on I even have four of your songs. So if that is not enough, they, there seems to be no resolution to this story. As of now, Fallon, Fallon of formerly Simon, Fallon of Real Housewives of Atlanta has some comments about Michael Costello and has a personal story herself about how he humiliated her and she posted on her Instagram story a picture of... Okay, so Michael had this issue with Leona Lewis. I forgot to mention that. That Leona had been alleging that like he was really shitty to her. And I think they've since made up. Um, but Fallon writes... Uh, she puts a picture of Leona and Michael at the bottom with a caption that says, what's unfortunate about the story is I had the same experience with Michael Costello as, except as a model. And because of this traumatic experience, unfortunately, it was the end of my pursuit to become a fashion model. I just couldn't bear the embarrassment. Him slash his team made me feel very uncomfortable and inadequate. The next slide says, I was 23 years old living in L.A. with not much but a dream. I went to audition for Michael Costello's L.A. Fashion Week where he complimented me on my body and my runway walk. I was ecstatic. I received an email with a list of underwear to purchase and instructions for the show. Um, I'm thinking to myself, sorry, um, I'm 5'6 and have been chosen to walk, which I never thought would happen for me. When I arrived, I had my Victoria's Secret bag in hand with the underwear why do you keep flipping? Okay. Um, I had my Victoria's Secret bag uh, with the underwear we were instructed to bring and was told to wait in line for makeup. 
I see Michael and his sister talking in a corner, looking at me with this look on their faces as if I was the scum of the earth. Then, in front of all of the models and his team, they come over to me and say, Someone is supposed to call you. We don't need you for the show and have nothing for you to wear. All of the models gasped and covered their faces. I was embarrassed and ashamed. I ran outside and cried for two hours. I never auditioned to model again. It pains me to hear that Leona Lewis experienced such trauma. I pray this was a learning opportunity for Michael and his team. Yikes. So who knows where this story ends? I'm at this point kind of less interested in the Chrissy Teigen and John Legend of it all and more curious about Michael Costello and what his end game was. What what was his goal? So I'll be keeping you guys um, in line with that because something about this Michael Costello aspect, I think it's going to get weirder and I'm looking forward to it. I have to admit. Okay. All right. Now we're going to talk about Jen Shaw trying to get her uh, charges against her dismissed so that she and her box braids don't have to set one moment into, um, you know, the prison from Orange is the New Black. So, Oh, Lord, if you guys don't know what's happening, um, I did a very excited <laughs> mini episode <laughs> called You Smell Like Prison. If you guys want to scroll back and find that, um, if you are not aware and you don't really want to get into the dirty details of what these allegations are and you just want to see it played out, I mean, head on over to Netflix and watch I Care A Lot. It's pretty damn close to what she was doing without the um you know kidnapping of of elderly people but it's scamming it's fraud it's messy not great you guys so the other day jen went back to the courts or her lawyers went back to the courts and tried to get these charges dismissed shout out to you i'm not going to put your name out here but shout out to you for um sending me these documents i if I were a more legal-minded person, I would go through this whole thing, but I want to keep it short, so we'll just keep it to the highlights. So I went through a few, of, a little bit of it. I'm also going to go through a little bit of the information that this person gave me um, that I wasn't able to find. Y'all, this is a hot, hot mess. So I'm opening document one, and I'm scrolling through, and I'm seeing, like, Oh, this sounds uh, really um, lame. Uh, I talked to my friend Maya, who is also uh, a lawyer, who said, basically, these sorts of defenses are common. Basically, you're going to try and stick everything at the wall in order to get your client off. Um, And that's exactly what it seems to be, what seems to be the case for uh, Jen and Stuart. The documents start off by saying that Jen Shaw's case has been on the document docket rather for 16 months and related cases like cases with other co-conspirators have been going on since 2017. Um, it also seems like the defense is trying to argue that the indictment against Jen does not include any specifics in terms of the, which companies were screwing people over um, when they were doing that. I, which, who are the victims? And that in this um, effort to, you know, try and figure things out during the discovery process, they came up with over 1.3 million documents, which Jen's lawyers are trying to argue are too many, 
that they would not have time. It would take a lifetime to go through all of those 1.3 million documents, and it's just overwhelming. They're also alleging that um, the indictment says that Jen and Stewart trafficked in a list of potential victims or leads with the knowledge of the individuals that they had to identify would be defrauded by other participants, but they're claiming that nowhere in the indictment are there allegations or facts sufficient enough to establish that they joined this purported conspiracy willingly and with the specific intent to defraud these victims. Um, They're also claiming that it's not clear which promises were fraudulent and for that reason, they want the cases dropped. So they're trying to say that, like, we basically have no idea, like, you're, you threw all of these allegations at us. We're not sure which ones are fraudulent, which ones are not. We also would not have known that at the time that we were doing these dirty, dastardly deeds, if you will. Um, and so, Daddy, take my, take my shackles off, please. There was one part that really tickled me. Um, Like I said, I was skipping around. But there was one part where Jen's lawyers are saying that the defense in their like defense of or in their argument, in their indictment of Jen, they were using quotation marks to describe the acts that she did, like using the phrases like her so-called quote unquote business practices or um, putting the word coaching and fulfillment and products into quotation marks and her lawyers are saying that shit's too vague. And also, what are you trying to say, bro? Are you trying to be shady? Are you trying to use business practices in a sarcastic term by saying that, like, we weren't actually providing these services in a good way? Um, you know, it's like saying it would be like calling, like, if I were to write an indictment against Jax Taylor. I would use the term actor in quotes and I would be very shady about that because who has seen him in an acting role other than the one he's doing with his wife. But that basically they're trying to say like, y'all are trying to be shady to us. And like, we don't appreciate it. We saw those quotation marks, bitch. And I don't like what you're trying to say and what you're trying to suggest. Are you trying to say that we um, don't know how to handle our business? Like, what is the suggestion with these quotation marks? Which I thought was just so funny. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know... 
When it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. At one point, the lawyers want all the tea. They want to know what the names of the victims are, these alleged victims. They want a list of the sales floors where these fraudulent activities happened. Um, they want a list of the coaching services, the website design services, the tax preparation services that are apparently fraudulent. They want to know everything. Like, if you're going to say that we did this shit, like, you know, be specific and tell us who done it where it happened, when it happened, and why it's illegal. Um, I'm not sure if Jen and Stewart had the same lawyers, but I'm assuming, <laughs> for Stewart's, Stewart's sake, I'm assuming that this is just about Jen, because if it's not, from what I saw, it really seems like Jen is like, I want out, and y'all do whatever Stewart, like, yeah, he probably didn't do any bad things either, but, like, I definitely didn't, so let me go. Let me go. Stuart, you can handle this on your own, right? But let me go. Um, and then those were the end of the notes that I took, and then now I'm going to talk about the notes that I got from this lovely person who sent me the documents. So she said... That Jen's legal, legal defense is basically that the government didn't get specific enough to show that she and Stewart committed any crimes and that basically a shitty business is not the same as a criminal activity business where people lose their money. There were scripts, the sales scripts that were... Um, they're they're listed in the documents. Uh, the prosecutors are trying to argue that those scripts are fake. Um, there was fun information. If you want to go over to NBC News, they wrote an article about this as well. Um, Jen's attorneys said in the document filed on Monday that she was incredibly confused and emotionally off balance when she was arrested in Salt Lake City in March. When a New York City Police Department detective first contacted her, she thought that he was calling to talk about an order of protection that she had against somebody else, a man who had victimized her when she was in New York. Um, and so she thought when this detective came up to her that they were talking about that case and not something that she had done. So after she was put in handcuffs, Jen Shaw thought that she might have been the victim of a false identification. Um, in an effort to get clarification, she waived her Miranda rights, according to her attorneys. And even though the detective read them to her, Jen said that she couldn't read each statement as she initialed them because her contacts were dry. <laughs> okay. Um, and then it goes on to say, 
Although Miss Shaw waived her Miranda rights, she did not do so voluntarily, but rather as a direct result of law enforcement, deception and trickery calculated to overpower her will. Then they go on to say that Jen was, quote, coerced into talking to the detective for about an hour and 20 minutes, although it did not work. No time at no time did Miss Shaw admit to committing fraud. Um, But they're still asking for her statements to the detective to be thrown out. And if excuse me, they want her statements to be thrown out if their motion to dismiss the whole case is denied. So, oh, Lord, what a mess. She is really trying to get out of this. I can't blame her. I think we've all noticed that um, Jen's social media activity has really um, changed, I think would be a nicest word to put it. She went from talking about free Jen Shaw, I'm locked up, you know, playing damn uh, Akon locked up video. And, you know, we, she has not posted um, a post on her Instagram since May 13th, where she is announcing that she is excited to be on Cameo. (laughs) And she has just kind of gone into celebrating what's ever happening um you know lgbt pride month uh juneteenth she's now celebrating juneteenth thank you thank you jen inclusive queen um yeah so it seems like she has um taken a step back from these i'm innocent i'm innocent i'm not doing anything wrong i'm a bad bitch look at my silk press um and is trying to you know be whatever this is <laughs> whatever this is okay um am i done i feel like i'm done for this week did something happen army hammers in rehab now of course uh jen and ben making out uh, it's like seeing your own parents get back together you know <laughs> i i know that people are calling for not calling for I know that people are saying that this is like a PR relationship but should I think that's okay I think that's okay I desire and I enjoy a PR relationship I mean it's been a while since we could I believe in this love like don't get me wrong I believe in the love between Jennifer Lopez and I was about to call him Ben Aniston wow Ben Affleck, I believe in their love. I believe in this like toxic behavior. Is it because there's a little part of me and by little, I mean most of me who believes that like I'm attracted to Ben because I'm attracted to broken men. Like, let's just cut the bullshit. I'm just gonna be honest. I like a broken man. I like a man who is like charming and funny, but also has, you know, issues that he probably isn't going to get over and he probably is not going to change for you. But like, damn it, isn't it fun to try? So like, that's why I'm into this relationship. Yeah, I know I need help. Yeah, I know that I need to talk to somebody about that. But am I going to do it today? No. So mind your business. Um, so that's why I cheer for them. And I also understand that people think that this is like so fake and they're trying to get clout. But is that a wrong thing? I don't think so. Didn't we have so much fun roasting that Taylor Swift relationship with, oh my God, who was that English guy 
who that English actor that they tried to make it seem like these people were so in love. Uh, what a humiliating time. Tom Hiddleston. I didn't know his name because I don't know. I don't watch superhero movies. So I don't, what else does he do? Period films. I, every type of acting that he does is not something I'm into, but remember when he was out on that beach wearing an I heart TS tank top. These are the moments that we need to appreciate. We have not had a moment like this in quite some time. It seems like we've only for the past few years been relying on Camila Cabello and Sean Mendez. And like, I'm done with that, you know, deeply, deeply done with that. I still can't make sense of Courtney and Travis. I, my fight or flight response is triggered every time I see a post with them. Every time I have to see a picture of like Courtney's ass or him carrying her or some like dumb lyrics. And, you know, I just can't handle it. So I'm appreciating what Jen and Ben are giving us. And I, hope that you guys will all hop on that bandwagon and appreciate what they're giving us too, because when it's gone, you're going to regret it. Well, let's enjoy this moment now. Okay. Um, with that, <laughs> I am talking about the reunion of keeping up with the Kardashians, a reunion. I have to tell you guys quite interesting, quite interesting. Is it so interesting that I'm going to like, have you guys watch it? No, I'm going to tell you everything that's on it. So like, don't waste your time if you don't feel like it. But very interesting nonetheless. Um, yeah, let's move on. At what point in your friendship did you say, I'm in love with this guy? I would say six months after my divorce with Chris Humphreys, I called Kanye and I was like, you're not even going to call me to say I told you so? Like, you know, and he didn't. And then we met up six months later. And from that first night, I knew I was, I knew it was over. My marriage with Kanye and my kids was, you know, is so real and lots of love. And that to me was like my first real marriage. If I asked you point blank, why did your marriage not work? What would you attribute it to? I honestly don't think I would even say it here on, on TV, um, but it was not like one specific thing that happened on either part. I think it was just a general difference of opinions on a few things that led to this decision. Put on your favorite couture Vivian Westwood gown and sit down on that couch, girl. It's time for their Kardashian corner, this time with a little Andy Cohen in the mix. I know a lot of people who are more Bravo slash Housewives fans and less Kardashian fans were a little bit titillated and intrigued by the idea of a Andy Cohen hosted Kardashian reunion. It's a two part reunion. I have to say you guys were right. It was run pretty much exactly the way you would expect a housewives or the way we've seen a housewives reunion be run where you in the beginning get the first shots of people in glam and talking and it's behind the scenes and the makeup artist is there and they're getting their dresses on and they're talking to Andy and um Chris actually was the one out of all of them who was the most nervous who Andy had like a little talk Andy and Chloe had a little talk with Chris about don't worry about it you know, if you get a question that you don't like, just say, fuck you. Just say, fuck you to me. Like, I don't care. Um, the stage has, 
projects and clothes from Kardashian and Jenner's past, the the dresses and the Louboutins and the makeup lines, the cookbooks, even Kendall and Kylie's uh, two-part, I think, sci-fi YA novel series that they did. Do you guys remember that? They did that in the wake of Twilight. Kendall and Kylie wrote <laughs> lots of quotes, lots of air quotes happening right here over at um, Everyone's Business But Mine Studios. Um, a YA novel to try and cash in on the popular genre at the time. Wow. Should I go back and read that? <laughs> I'm not into YA. I, well, I mean, I'm 35. I should not be into YA. I am not into sci-fi. Never have been. Famously, I always say if I want to listen, if I want to watch a fantasy, if I want to watch things that don't exist in real life, I have Sex in the City for that. So, you know, right? Um, maybe I should. Maybe for the Patreon... <laughs> Patreon subscribers, let me know if you would unsubscribe if I if I recapped or um just talked to you about their YAC. I'm not gonna do it. I shouldn't do that to you guys. Anyway. <laughs> um there, you know, it was just exactly what we expect. Um if you guys are curious about the sh- seating chart, we'll start from furthest, the rainbow of seating charts, if you will. We had uh from left Kendall. Courtney, Kim, Andy in the middle, of course, and then Chris, Chloe, and Kylie. Um, <clears throat> Andy, you know, not going to ask about who had their breasts done while filming was down or, you know, all the plastic surgery questions that he typically asks of the housewives. He decided to get a little deeper, but in a way that if you were not somebody who was as studied in the Kardashians as I was, you wouldn't have picked up on it. Andy asked Chloe about her Camille, which, as we know, is what um, Chloe has named her camel toe. So Andy Cohen just asking Chloe, how's your camel toe doing? How are your um, labia majora doing today? Thank you, Andrew. We, we were all wondering. Andy prefaces the beginning by saying the family was not given. They were not prepped with questions. They don't know what he's going to be asking. They gave him no holds barred access. He was given known ground rules. Okay. In watching this special, I have to say that I felt even if they are saying that they didn't know the questions beforehand and nothing was left off the table, I still felt that there was definitely some sort of um, PR... We saw a couple, a few seasons ago, we saw them go into like, I think they did this for Kendall, um, into like a crisis management or, you know, coaching and how you handle things, how you answer certain questions. We saw them do that. So this is something that they have been doing this whole time. So I feel very strongly that they had a team of people scour Andy's tweet saying, hey, do you guys have any questions for the Kardashians for the reunion? Tweet them below. I'm sure they went through all of those questions and were prepped in that way. Maybe this was not a direct preparation happening, but I definitely think that based on how they were very eloquently answering their questions, it just felt very coached to me. But the questions were still good. And I appreciate that. 
you know how I knew that <clears throat> they were about to ask, or Andy was about to ask good questions, is y'all know when they intro the housewives, you know, they do, they usually the first segment is for like a recap of the whole season. And before that, Andy does this whole cutesy, quippy, punny intro, like of the things that happened in the season. And you know what I mean? It sounds very poetic and it's like ugh, a little campy at this point, a little hacky, but y'all know what I mean? He does the whole intro to the season and then they break it all down. So <clears throat> in that little quippy moment, Andy mentions there are about a dozen missing pets happening without, within that family or there, that have a dozen pets that have gone missing over the course of the 20 seasons of the show. Thank you. This is how I knew they were doing their research because where are those pets? And I'll be damned, Andrew Cohen, if you guys don't circle back in part two and ask what happened to all these animals. I want to know. I want to know. We all know what happened to Mercy, R.I.P., I need to know, I need answers about the rest of those animals. What happened to um, the boxer that Chloe and Lamar got? I think his name was Bernard or something. What happened to him? What happened to all the little dogs that Kylie's had? Not the little wormy ones, but the other ones. What happened? Kendall's had several pets that she needs to answer for. And I would like to know. Anyway... They start off, Andy starts off by asking about their Hulu deal and why would you end the show when you already have a deal at a different platform? And I'm still confused or still being very vague about what exactly they're doing with Hulu, but it does seem like they're not going to be having a recreation or a, there's not going to be keeping up with the Kardashians on Hulu. That's what it seemed like to me. And they talk more about the process of ending the series. And it seemed like Kim wanted to, they, they started talking about this in season 19. Kim said, 20 is a really good number. Let's just go with that. Maybe we'll get to season 20. Maybe in the midst of filming that we'll feel like we want to continue, but let's just do 20. Um, they all said Courtney was the one who wanted to end it the first or the most and no surprise there. Um, <clears throat> Andy starts asking them about the things that they miss doing pre-fame. Like what are the normal things you want to do? Everybody said grocery shopping. Courtney said going to the gas station and uh, Chloe mentions how she's really just had a hard time dealing with the paparazzi and Andy turns that question to Kim and says, before the show got popular, Kim and Andy had had a conversation, which Kim said that she wanted to be famous. She was actively seeking out fame and notoriety. No surprise there. Andy asks if. Kim would call the paparazzi and she says no, but she knew where they would be. She knew that they would be stalked out on Robertson Boulevard. She knew that they would be at the Ivy. She said, sometimes I would pretend that I forgot glasses or I would just get an order of bread at the Ivy just so I would get pictured. Like I was thirsty and I wish people would be more transparent about how desperate they are for fame if that's how they feel. So then Andy asks if 
he asks everyone if they feel like the show would have been as successful without Kim's sex tape. And Kim answers and she says, looking back, probably not. And then Andy asks her about talking to her children about the tape. Have you said anything? Of course not. Um, and Kim says, fortunately, she thinks that there have been so many good things happening good things that have happened in her life since that sex tape that she feels like if they Google her, it's probably not going to be the first thing that comes up, which I would agree. That's probably true. Um, but then she says that she describes the sex tape as something that is hanging over her head and that she tries not to have regrets in her life, but that is definitely one thing that she wished didn't exist, not really for herself, but more so because she has children now. Um, Courtney brings up the fact that in the beginning, there were personal friends of theirs that really were hating on them. She literally describes them as haters. Personal friends were haters with regard to them starting the show. And Chloe mentions how Chris at the beginning her, there were several of her close friends in her inner circle at the time who thought that it was very gauche and beneath them that Chris should be on a reality show. And two seasons later, here they're coming, wanting to go to her parties. And Chris says she doesn't really talk to those people anymore. So I guess we can rule out that maybe it was not, uh, you know, Kyle or uh, Faye Resnick or anyone like that. Then Andy, Andy gets to sort of like the background parts of it where he says, Chris, Kim, Chloe, and Courtney are all producers of the show. So how do you navigate showing things on the show with your production? Like, how do you go from like talent to production? And they have an interesting conversation about how, for example, that big fight with Kim and Courtney, um, they had a couple seasons ago that was something that Chris did not want shown. And then Chloe tells this, gives us this information that this was like on all of days, E has representatives to like go on the show, I guess. Right. So of all days, their E representative was there witnessed the fight. And it's, they kind of had different versions of this story because Chris is talking about how she didn't want to have it shown. Courtney's talking about how, you know, later months, the months go by and things maybe don't sting in the same way or whatever. And then Chloe is like, well, from Chloe's perspective, it seemed like they really couldn't have taken that fight out because of the fact that the E-representative was there and they saw that they're like, well, it just wouldn't have been... it." it was kind of like toothpaste back in the tube. Like you couldn't, they had already gone too far. Too many eyes had been on that. And so they couldn't take it out of the show. Then Kendall and Kylie discuss a fight that they had gotten into. I believe it was the same season, like a few episodes later, they were, the girls had all gone and Corey had gone to Palm Springs. Kim, Chris, Chloe, and Courtney were in one car. Uh, Corey was in the car with Kendall and Kylie. They were going back to the house, and Kendall and Kylie end up getting in a fight. We don't see that cameras. I don't know if they didn't want to show it, or they just didn't have cameras up in that car, but 
we hear what is happening because they have walkie talkies and you can, or they had a phone. Somebody was on the phone with either Kendall or Kylie and we can hear the fight that's happening. And it sounds pretty physical. And Kendall definitely still feels some type of way about that and says that when it aired or when they got the screener for the episode that she and Kylie had gotten into another fight about it. And they also have to be very careful in how they portray things because they want to make sure it's fair for everyone, that everybody's perceived in the way that they should be. And that I think is interesting is when you get into fights and you do have editorial control, you have to make sure that like if you and your sister are fighting that one isn't biased against the other because that would create a whole nother dynamic and a whole nother argument. That's wild. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I should also add that I felt like Kendall came off really grounded and therapized. I have my eye out now. For people who seem, I I have a detector for people who have gone to therapy and done the work. There's just a specific way that they communicate once you've been properly therapized. And you could tell that Kendall has definitely been to therapy and done some amount of work. They're just like comparing Courtney to Kendall. I have long since believed held on to my belief that I feel like Courtney has arrested development and, you know, that might explain the Addison Ray of it all. Um, but just seeing how they communicate and how they navigate and how they perceive things, I was finding myself way more on Kendall's side and that doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel good to say. Maybe I shouldn't feel bad about that. and Maybe I should put that back on them and say that that's really sad that Kendall is the most grounded of all of you. Maybe we should say that. Kylie, oh, something about, I've just been looking at Kylie lately and I'm just feeling a lot of things and I feel like Kylie is really going to regret moving so quickly in her life. And it just seems like she has now resigned herself to being 40. (laughs) (laughs) And I just want her to, like, have some levity about her, some youth. I feel younger than Kylie Jenner, and that shouldn't be. It it shouldn't be that way. And I understand she's, like, a 
I'm not going to call her a billionaire. She's a multimillionaire. And she has a child and she has these responsibilities that I have, I don't have and probably never will. But also I just feel like be a kid. She is 22. Be 22. You have the rest of your life to be old. And I just wish more young people knew that. You are going to be old. I am 35 and now trapped. <laughs> and I'm never going to get out of this. Like, I, I'm past the point of being young. And that's fine. But, like, now I'm just literally going to be an adult for the rest of my life. And I just wish that she would enjoy her 20s more. Because it seems like... Yeah, she just seems forever 40 and I just like, girl, don't do it. Don't do it now. Anyway, thank you for letting me rant about Kylie. Let's move on. Um, Andy asks Chris, who was the easiest and hardest in terms of management? And Chris says, Kendall's the easiest. Courtney is the hardest, which Courtney fully um, cops to and admits to because she says that she just doesn't want to do anything that is not specific to her. And when she does find a project she's excited about, she wants to know everything about it. Okay. I mean, I would take that more seriously if it were said by anybody but Courtney. <laughs> like, you're really like, what are the projects that Courtney Kardashian has done? Okay, poosh. Great. A blog, a wellness blog that happened about seven years after the wellness blog wave. Congrats. Um, you did a collaboration with Manuka Honey. A Manuka Honey line. Okay, thank you. Um, vital Proteins. Okay, cool. <laughs> like, I, I mean, we understand that, like, your brand, I guess, is being healthy and trolling the aisles of whole foods to see what's like what's new and be propolis or whatever but okay never mind whatever um then andy asks chris if she feels any guilt about taking 10 percent, and she says absolutely not and that's how she should feel girl chloe is like fully defensive of chris and says in the beginning nobody believed in us in the way that our mom does she works so hard she is actively involved in us landing deals and in the whole process of it and no she deserves to get compensated for that and chris is like actually andy um i've heard that there are managers that take a lot more than 10 percent, and i just feel like i just wonder if they would have asked a dadager, you know, if, if Chris was a man, would they have been asking him that, her that, is that an appropriate question? She works. She literally works. It's not like, I, I don't know. I, I have no problem with her taking 10% personally. Andy did bring up the, the devil works hard, but Chris Jenner works harder of it all. And Kim says what I had been saying this whole time, which is that it's really unfair to put it on Chris that everything that happens in their lives is orchestrated by her, especially when bad things happen. Because she's like, gosh, do you guys feel like we're so devoid of like feelings and whatever, like we would do something like that or we would take these dark storylines and these terrible times in our lives and just fake them? Like, why would we do that? Um, 
then it gets interesting. And Andy asks why over the course of the show have the daughters mentioned that Chris gives her attention based on who's making the most money and who's the most successful at the time. And Chloe tells on herself, and I'm not sure if she knew quite that she did that. So she starts off by saying, it's like a seriously joking thing. Like, yeah, half and half, right? She says in the beginning, Kim was getting all these opportunities. And so they, Chris and Kim were out getting deals and going to things and blah, blah, blah. And she says that she and Courtney were just sort of stuck or left to take care of Dash and Smooch while Chris and Kim were out doing their thing. And, and then she says that they didn't, they were, they, it would be like a, a sore spot for Chris. And so they would bring it up to Chris to kind of rib her and get at her. And then Kylie gets all her success and Courtney, excuse me, Chloe is right. Like, um, well, once Kylie got successful, we kind of realized that maybe all this ribbing that we had been giving her was actually true. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so this conversation transitions into Kylie's business and her lips and about her feeling insecure. And the reason why she felt insecure about her lips was because one of her first boyfriends, she was kissing him and he said something like, you're a great kisser, or a good kisser, but you really don't have any lips. And that fueled this insecurity that she was unkissable and she would overline her lips and, you know, then the injections came, blah, blah, blah. I think that this was Jaden. I feel pretty strongly that this was Jaden Smith. And you can't take that away from me. And one of the girls, I think Kendall mentions, oh, you should do a collab, like a lip kit line with this ex-boyfriend. And I would love to see a Jaden X Kylie lip kit line. I would get it. They could get, <laughs> they could do this like ashy white color from, I think about this picture all the time and it's so psychotic of me and I admit that, but. There was a picture from when they were dating. They were leaving a movie theater and clearly they had been making out in the movie theater because all of Kylie's like alabaster foundation had transferred to Jaden's lip and mouth area. So if they could do whatever colors like <laughs> white girlfriend foundation on black man skin, black boyfriend skin, whatever color that is, I would like that. I I actually think that is a genius marketing idea. <laughs> and Kylie, I would like my 10% off of that one, if you hear me. <laughs> so moving on, Andy asks Kylie about hiding her pregnancy, and she basically admits that she was young, and she knew that she was young. She knew that being a, basically a teen mom was going to be something that a lot of people were going to talk about, and she wasn't trying to hear it. Kendall says, actually, I honestly think you protecting your peace was the best possible thing for you because I don't know what the science is on this, but it feels like when the mom is more at peace, or the more at peace the mom is, and that transfers, that energy transfers to the baby. And she's like, Stormy is such a great, beautiful child now. And I really think that some of that has to do with the fact that you 
we're in such a zen moment. And Chloe even chimes in of like, this was just the hiding from the public thing. It wasn't like there was this great shame within our family about Kylie having a baby. This was like a great, awesome moment. Like the friends and the family, it was like a big celebration. She just didn't want to share that with the world. Andy asks about... She asked him about his relationship or her relationship with Paris over the years. And honestly, it was basically just what you would expect of, oh, we went through a tough time. Blah, 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 we're back now. The only thing that I thought was actually hilarious was that Courtney at this time was completely zoned out as Kim's talking. Kim starts talking about, you know, we were friends and this, and then we kind of had a falling out when I started the show. And I think Paris may have gone to the press and said something about my butt, or I'm not really sure what it is. And Courtney like comes right back to life. And she's like, Oh, she said you had cottage cheese that your ass looked like cottage cheese in a, in a trash bag. That's what she said. (laughs) Like, Like just very quickly, like how can I find a way to make fun of my sister? Oh, here's my moment. Come back, come back, Courtney. A cottage cheese. <laughs> um, then, oh, uh, Kim is also going to be taking the baby bar in June. So sometime this month. And she's hoping to pass the third time. And if she does, she's got two more years left in her legal journey. There's the baby bar update for you guys. Um, then we get to the Chris Humphreys of it all. Andy asks... Out of all of you guys, did any of you guys actually think this marriage was going to last? And Courtney said she did at first. Not now, obviously, but back then. And um, Kim makes this kind of joke of, why did you guys let me marry him? Chris and Chloe immediately were like, "Um, do you not remember the conversations we had? Chloe says that at the engagement party that she hosted, that she did a whole speech in which she said that the marriage wasn't going to (laughs) last. And then Kim... And Chris talk about how uh, the night of the rehearsal, the night before the wedding, Kim, or excuse me, Chris goes into Kim's room and says, baby girl, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to. I will get a car. You can get out of here. I will take care of it. And Kim admits she felt a lot of pressure because it was going to be filmed to continue on with the marriage, how she had just had to talk herself into thinking that she just had cold feet about the situation. And then she looks right at the camera and says, for you guys thinking that you have cold feet, listen to your intuition. That's not what it is. There always been a lot of questions about the money and what the show contributed to the wedding and how that all broke down. And Kim says that they were given a fee to film the wedding and that she took that fee And she says, I think I took Chris's fee, not only my fee, but Chris's fee and sunk that money into the wedding because I wanted a more lavish wedding than I was going to be able to get um, without the show's money. So then she says, if it was fake, I wouldn't have put that money (laughs) back into the wedding. Like I would have just kept that shit. And she says also that I had this thought that if I walked away, I would forever be known as like the joke for runaway bride for the rest of my life. And I just didn't want to do that. And she's right. I mean, if she let's really think about it, like the jokes about the 72 day marriage, like, yeah, people still make them. 
Sure. But if she had just decided on the night before to leave him, we would be talking about that shit. I have no doubt we would be talking about that way more than the three month marriage or two and a half month marriage. Andy asks, okay, well, in the first maybe few weeks of your marriage, were you thinking that this was a good idea? And she's like, no. At the honeymoon, we were in Italy. I thought, oh, this was, I shouldn't have done this. And Andy asks what the last straw was for her. What was the tipping point? And she says they had gotten back from their honeymoon. He was playing for the Brooklyn Nets. So they were living in New York. They were living out of a hotel. She was miserable. She's like, I just remember looking around that hotel room and seeing his size 17 shoes lined up against the wall. (laughs) And I just lost it. And everybody starts laughing at her. And it is funny that she would say that, like, his big-ass feet were the tipping point for her. But I get it. I got what she was saying is that it's it's not the shoe. And it's not the clutter. I mean, it is the clutter, right? But it's also just, this is too much. Like, I'm going to have to live, like, this guy is too much for me. I don't like him. And the shoes were the bitch-eating crackers moment. Like, I can't even, I'm so focused and angry about his shoes. This is how I know our relationship is not going to work. Some of you might be out there saying, Kara, I think you're giving Kim too much credit. And you might be right. But the reason why I'm saying this is because I would definitely see that idiot's shoes lined up across a wall and be like, I don't know if I can do this. (laughs) I'm seeing myself in Kim and that's why I'm being defensive of her. Okay. I'll admit it. I have no problem with that. Um, Chris is still not fucking with her. Andy asks if she feels like she should apologize. And she says, absolutely. But I've tried. For months, I tried to call him. He is not trying to talk to me. I saw him years later when I was heavily pregnant with Psalm, or not Psalm, but Saint. And I had North on my hip. I'm days away from giving pre- getting giving birth. And I see him at the Beverly Hills Hotel. He's with his boys. They seat us right at tables right next to each other. All of his friends came up to me and greeted me and were being kind and Chris was just staring at me and refused to speak to her so yikes um then Andy asked Kim would she how would she what would she attribute to her voice divorce with Kanye and she says she doesn't really want to talk about it but there were a few differences of opinion (laughs) that led to the divorce But she also doesn't feel like it was one person that was more at fault than the other one. And Kim does a typical Kardashian line about how he's an amazing co-parent and I'll always consider Kanye family and I just respect him so much as the father of my children and blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Um, Andy does ask about Van Jones. She says definitely not. And not only that, that Van called her one time and said that that all these rumors about them were actually getting him a lot of dates. Apparently there was also a rumor that she was dating Maluma. I never heard that, but she's not fucking him either. So there you go. Once again, I'm forced to give Kendall one clap, exactly one clap 
for basically telling on Chloe. So Andy asks Courtney, who handles fame the best and who handles it the worst? Courtney says Kim is the best, but she thinks that Courtney, Chloe rather, is most sensitive and that maybe she would technically be the worst. So Chloe does this whole thing about how it's, you know, 15 years of people body shaming her, calling her ugly, calling her the fat one. All of these things are fair. I'm not going to take that from her. Like it would, the people, the things that people say to her are actually disgusting. And yeah, 15 years of that has to take a toll on you. But she attributes all of this. She's like, I don't know why it's just, happened recently like in the last couple of years I don't know why I'm just more sensitive to that I'm like let's go in the timeline of how long you've been with Tristan and how you know you're not gonna leave him so maybe that's why you're more sensitive to people saying shit about you because you know it's like that uh TikTok like that's my man that's my baby and I'm gonna stick beside him you know and then we're having a look at him uh, motorboating chicks at the club. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to stick beside him. That's what I'm going to do. That That is why. And so Kendall says, well, I think maybe it might have to do with, like, the traumatic experiences that you've had also. Like, the body shaming, yes. But also, I think, you know, Tristan. I think it might have to do with Tristan, too. Um she was right. So thank you. Thank you for calling that out, Kendall. Um, I will not be drinking your 818 tequila, but if I did, I would theoretically do a shot to it right now. Um, then Andy asks about the robbery in Paris, how that's affected Kim. She says something very interesting was that she wears costume jewelry. If she has an expensive piece, it's borrowed. She will not even walk into her house with borrowed jewelry that she gives it to the security people before she even walks into the house that she can't sleep if she has jewelry or cash in her house um but on the other side of that it was the biggest blessing because she was so self-centered and so into the flashy cars and the nice clothes and she thought that that's like what made her and her status symbol and how that completely shifted and Chloe's like oh Kim's always been a great best sister ever but I just feel like now she's really focused from taking the focus from the red carpets and the events and stuff and now she's more focused on paying attention to us (laughs) it's like well it doesn't really sound like if that took such a radical shift for that to happen it doesn't sound like she was that great of a sister to you you know (laughs) like if it has to take a traumatic an incredibly traumatic experience for your sister to pay attention to you as a family member then was she the best sister ever before that doesn't sound like it another interesting part andy turns to chloe and says because of the drama that you've been going through in your personal life do you feel like in the last few seasons that you've carried the show and do you feel any other resentment towards your sister so chloe says well in the beginning of the series you could say that the stuff that happened between courtney and scott was carrying the show and she says kim and i have had many conversations about this before that 
if you genuinely don't have anything going on in your life, that's one thing. She's not going to say like, oh, I'm contributing so much more than you if genuinely there are not real things happening. But she says with the issue with Courtney that they were having was that Eunice, basically, that after she started, stopped dating Scott, she was obviously being seen with Eunice, posting him on the gram, paparazzi, everybody knew where they were together and... She refused to talk about him on the show. He was on at least one episode, maybe two, but I don't even think we heard him speak. I believe this must have been one of Courtney's birthdays, but we only got maybe like three minutes of Eunice over the course of one or two episodes. But Chloe also said it would be an it would have been another thing if Courtney had been private about this relationship. But the fact that she was all out there, but then refused to even, like, we couldn't even say his name on the show, it felt like she was choosing to hide parts of her life and not contribute, and we're out here giving you guys everything. You can tell Courtney's feels some type of way about that, because Andy is like, well, Courtney, how, do you feel like maybe you took advantage of that? And she's like, I guess, if that's what you want to say. like okay okay um the last thing i found interesting was them discussing how they would send certain people in their group in their circles pictures and see who would send them to sell them to paparazzi or to news outlets so um kim mentions how after north was born she sent pictures, different pictures to different people to see which one would go. So there was a picture of North leaked to TMZ, but then Kim says that she fucked it up because uh, she sent that one picture to a few people. So then she just had to be continued on being friends with these people because she didn't know specifically which one had sent the picture to TMZ. And I just want to know, Ooh, I want to know who those people were. Cause in my mind, I'm thinking Jonathan, Lala, Larsa Pippen, right? <laughs> it seems not far off that all of them at some point would have been on a group chat together and maybe Simon. These are the only people that I can really like recall. So, Oh, I wish it was one of those four. And then imagine having to just maintain a friendship with somebody because you don't know which one of them betrayed you. Ooh! Ooh! It gives me chills. Okay, that's the end of the Kardashian corner. <laughs> is this the end of the episode? I think it is, you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for speaking. Love you. I'll be back on Friday with a recap of Real Housewives of New York and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs>